opportunity is that uh, she can testify over that and we'll laugh about it later. All right. It's good to have each of you here this morning, glad to see some folks back, and glad to have some of our guests here this morning, and uh, we're always uh, glad to see our, our guests here. Uh, open up your Bibles with me this morning to Daniel chapter 1, Daniel chapter 1. You know, this morning, uh, as we remember uh, the fallen uh, that have gone before us both in our churches and in the military I uh, was thinking back to my time in the service and particularly to a uh, time in uh, Fort Knox Kentucky now I was a I was a marine I wasn't an army guy but for some reason uh, we didn't have the facilities to really train with tanks when I was in the Marine Corps on the east coast and so they would send us to Fort Knox, Kentucky, which was an army base, Brother Don, to, uh, you know, train on their firing ranges up there. And uh, I remember that uh, while we were up there training uh, one year, that uh, we uh, had an accident with a, a vehicle one evening, and we turned over uh, a truck. And uh, the guys that were in that truck, they... Uh, it had been raining pretty bad, and they actually ran that truck over into a creek. And when they turned that truck over, those guys couldn't get out of that vehicle. And, and 17 uh, guys out of my unit lost their life that night uh, in that storm. And I remember them telling us afterwards that uh, we had to be careful, that we had to be intentional about the things that we did that when we got careless, then things like that, you know, tended to happen. And as I thought back this week on those that, you know, have gone on before us here at Unity, I wonder about the intentionality of the things that they did. Uh, Sister Margaret and I were here a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about the, the plaque inside the, the grand piano uh, here, right? And you don't you don't place that kind of a plaque inside of an instrument like that without there being intention about what's supposed to happen and what you perceive the the future to be. And so uh, you know, I had the opportunity this week as one of our our youngins was here, you know, at the church, and I had an opportunity to show him that particular plaque. And I showed him that plaque in there. If you've never seen the plaque, the grand piano is always open. You should go by and you should go see, see the plaque, right? Go read the plaque for yourself. And, and, and I showed uh, this individual that particular plaque. And I thought to myself as I was doing it, I'm being intentional here. Because I want, you know, that individual and, and all of the individuals that are in our ministry to have a particular mindset about the things that we are doing here so that when they look back at, at mine and your time here at Unity Missionary Baptist Church, that they say, well, those folks intended to do this, right? Well, those folks, uh, they meant to do that. Uh, the result of that is that those individuals become active, productive, reproducing people 
for Jesus Christ. Many of you are here this morning because people were intentional in your life. You can look back at their their particular influence in your life, and you can say, he did this, and that's why I am this, or she did that, and that's why I act like this. And and you look back at those those memories, and, and you, you're fond about them, but I think that it's important that we ask the question ourselves, what will they remember about our lives? What will they remember about uh, our ministries? As parents, we, we ought to always be asking ourselves, what memories are we creating for our, our, our kids? As teachers, we ought to always be asking ourselves the question, how am I influenced in this life, and how will they remember this particular class? How will they remember this particular period of instruction? And that's true outside the, the congregation, and that's true inside the congregation as well. And this morning, I, I want to kind of take a... Uh, uh, my normal habit. I'm going to read the, the chapter like we normally do, but uh, I told Becky, I th- in fact, I thought she was going to drop her teeth, uh, you know. But I told her, I said, I'm only going to preach from two verses this morning. I'm not going to cover a whole lot of Scripture. I want us to really, really focus today on the decisions that we can make that will cause individuals to remember us in this particular congregation and in our life in a positive way. So Daniel chapter 1, if you open your Bibles with me this morning, we're going to begin reading it, verse number 1. And I pray that God will open this passage to you of such a familiar story and that he'll open it to you in ways that he never has before. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and he besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels to the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, that is, to Babylon. And he brought the vessels into the treasure uh, house of his God. Years and years later, they would find these particular uh, vessels that they brought out of the temple, and some of them would be returned back to the temple 70 years down the road. In verse number 3, The king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but were well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such as had the ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank and so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. I, w- I want you to notice that those four boys are named, but it says among them, which means that there were hundreds and hundreds of these children that had been taken up out of Jerusalem and, and had been carried away captive into a land. But God, the Holy Spirit, as he inspires Daniel to write about individuals in his word, he names them specifically Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now look in verse number 7. 
unto whom the prince of the eunuch gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name Belshazzar. If you have your Bibles and you're one of those that mark in your Bible right there, I want you to just uh, take a pencil or something, and I want you to underline the word gave in that verse. Unto whom the prince of the eunuch gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah, of Abednego. All of these names had something to do with the Babylonian gods. Now look in verse number 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank, and therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Notice that he tagged them as a particular kind of people. Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. In verse number 11, Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee for ten days. Let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink, and then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. And so he consented to them in this matter, and he proved them for ten days. At the end of ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. And thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink, and he gave them pulse. And as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and the astrologers that were in all of his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. The first year of King Cyrus would have been 70 years later. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come before you as a congregation this morning. We thank you for the beautiful day that you've given us. We thank you that you give us an opportunity to serve you here. And we just thank you, Lord, that you've uh, placed us in this place intentionally. Lord, as we uh, come before you this morning, we offer our hearts to you. We just ask that you'd forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings. As we come to your scripture, we just pray that you'd help us to have humble hearts, that you'd help us to look into our own lives and see the things that we need to do differently. And Lord, regardless of what our history is, regardless of the choices that we've made in the past, we thank you that you give us an opportunity not to be in bondage to sin through your son, Jesus Christ. And we just pray, Lord, that you would help us to uh, overcome the things that we see and do and hear in the world. And Lord, I just uh, pray over our sister churches. I pray that you give them good ministry this morning. Uh, Lord, we don't know what their situation is, and we are only charged to deal with our own house. But I just uh, ask, Lord, that you would 
uh, be with their ministry and that you would be with their pastors and their leadership and that you would just uh, bring a revival here in our region, in our state, in our nation, and in the world beyond. Lord, we pray over our missionary this morning. We'd like to remember him. We pray over the ministry that he has, the long years of service that he's given. We pray that you just help us to be intentional in the way that we deal with him. And we just pray that you would bring souls uh, out of the harvest uh, for the labor that he's given. And Lord, I just uh, pray this morning that you'd be with those who aren't here. You know the cause, and we just pray, Lord, that you'd continue to work in their lives, that you'd let us be a positive influence in their life, and that as they look at our lives and they remember uh, us for the things that they do, that they would see that we were intentional about your kingdom and that we were uh, committed uh, to keeping ourselves for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, as I look at this particular passage of Scripture, I just want you to go ahead and take in your Bible, and I want you to, to take and, and make a little note beside verse number 8 and verse number 9. Normally, I would have two or three different points, uh, but today I only have two. A little bit different from uh, the way that we've done this in the last several weeks. I normally have a handout that goes inside of your bulletin, but if you have a bulletin this morning, just flip it over on the back, and you'll notice that your sermon notes page is there with the two main points. And if you look up on the screen, you'll see that I'll give you the blank spots for that. The two things that I want to, to talk about this morning will influence the way that you are remembered. Uh, Brother Buster and I, as we were looking at the sign uh, this week and we put the message out there, you know, we put onto the sign, remembering those who gave all. And, you know, one of the stories that we find in the Scripture is we find in the Scripture the story. Uh, Brother uh, Devin, if you'd go back one, uh, one screen for me, I'd appreciate that. Uh, back to, uh, back to uh, God wants you to give him your intentional life. One of the, the stories that we find in the New Testament is we find a story of a widow. And you may uh, remember this story uh, as the story of the widow with two mites. But I like to call that story the story of the lady who gave it all. And uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples, to a, a group of people who had left the nets in Galilee and who had uh, decided that they were going to follow Jesus with their whole heart with their whole mind. See, they had left their houses, they had left their boats, they had left, uh, you know, their nets, they had left everything up in there. And they're watching there at the temple. And they watched, uh, you know, some individual come in and he put, you know, lots of stuff off into the offering plate and he, you know, almost beat his chest and, you know, look who I am and look what I've done for God and, and this is my life. And then he, you know, they saw a, a widow that came and she, you know, only put in what the scriptures tell us was two mites. Now, Jesus wasn't real impressed, you know, with this large offering. He wasn't real impressed with this grand service. But he was impressed with these two little coins that this lady had thrown off into, into uh, that pot. They say that in the temple, in Jesus' day, that this pot would uh, be a big grand thing. That it would have uh, kind of uh, circles inside of it and uh, uh, hang-ups inside of it. So what, what would happen there is, is that when you put something into the offering plate right there, it, it didn't have felt pads like ours here. What, what it had is it had uh, something that would make it jangle. 
This one just wouldn't work out, Brother Don. You know, when, I, when we throw our offering in here, if we were at the temple there in, in Jerusalem, you know, it wouldn't clang enough. It wouldn't bang enough. It wouldn't make enough, enough noise so that, you know, well, I mean, Sister Lisa's back there in the back. She couldn't, you know, see that I'd put something in the plate, right? And, and, and the folks out there on the street, they, they couldn't hear that I was in here and I, and I had put something in the plate, because when they put something in the plate, they wanted people to, to really know about it. But as Jesus is with his disciples, and he looks at this widow, he finds that she gives with intention everything that she has left. And the first thing that we find out of Daniel chapter 1 and the thing that I want us to look at as we look at how Daniel is being remembered in Daniel chapter 1 this morning is that God wants you to give him your intentional life. In Daniel chapter 1, we see a very intentioned purpose in verse number 8. And God seems to be impressed with it because he places it there in his word prominently. How many of you went to Sunday school when you were, were young, young, and you heard the story of Daniel? And you heard how that he was given just the, the pulse and that he didn't take the, the king's meat because he didn't want to defile himself. We teach that from the time that our kids are that small. It's a prominent story in the scripture because God seems to be impressed by the intentionality of this young man. And then it's amazing to me that as we look back in the scripture, you know, another 400 years down the road into Jesus' ministry, and we see the example of the widow with her two mice, that God is once again impressed with the intentionality of this gift that is given to God. And so God wants you to give him your intentional life. He doesn't expect us to go through life and to just do it as it happens, right? Just, uh, well, this, this happens to me today. Look, look at verse number 8 with me. It says, but Daniel, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank, and many times when we come to this particular passage of Scripture, we, we, we really focus in on that he would not defile himself. We, we really focus in that, you know, he'd been drug out of his home and that he's being given this foreign food and this foreign drink and that he just wasn't allowed to, to, to eat that. But I want you to look at the first part of that verse there because look what that first three word says in that phrase, but Daniel purposed. Now, you, you remember that I, as we were reading the scripture this morning, I I had you underline a word. It wasn't in this particular verse, was it? Okay. Who, who underlined that word for me? Somebody did, I'm sure. Okay. What word did I have you underline? Gave. We go back to the Hebrew scriptures. In the word that I had you underline, it's gave. In verse number 8 right here, the word that the King James translators translated as purposed, it's the same word. You see, Daniel had gotten drug out of Jerusalem. 
I want you to understand how bad of a situation it was in Jerusalem. One of our Filipino missionaries, his friends with Brother Willie Perrin, contacted me a couple of weeks back. He wanted to talk to me, Sister Gladys, about a passage of Scripture that he couldn't really grasp his, his mind around. That passage of Scripture was in Lamentations. It was talking about the women of Jerusalem who were cooking their babies so that they had food to eat while Jerusalem was under this siege with Nebuchadnezzar. They were having to boil their own children or die. And Daniel gets taken out of his home. He'd been living for three years under that siege. He's drug all the way across the desert into Babylon. He lost his parents. He lost his family. Now why? If life has been that unfair to you, why would you want to give anything to God? Not only had he been drug out of Jerusalem, but now here's this Melzar that's supposed to take care of him. And Melzar is giving him a name. And what that means, Brother Joe, is that he was trying to cram a culture that was ungodly, that was unrighteous, down, down Daniel's throat. It was being, being offered a, a Babylonian lifestyle, being offered Babylonian gods. And we're offered that every day, aren't we? We go out in the community. The world wants us to act like the world wants us to act. It wants us to talk like the world wants us to talk. In, in our relationships, don't we see it? We, we have a, you know, they say, well, your marriage is supposed to look like this. How, how many relationships do we see out there that are open relationships because the world considers that okay? How, 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 many, how many times do we, do we send our kids to school and we know that they're going to be taught about evolution? And aren't they being offered? Aren't they being given the, the world's lifestyle? And that's what Melzar was given to, to Daniel. Is he was given the world's lifestyle. And he understood, Daniel did, that God wants you to give him an intentional lie. And so while Melzar is giving the world to Daniel, and he has all the opportunity in the world to take the world, he purposes in his heart and he says, well, I'm going to give God something different. He had nothing that he could place in the offering plate. He had nothing that he could do except exactly what the eunuch wanted him to do. But what he had is he had a mindset that he could offer whatever he would to God. In James we find religion described like this to take care of the orphans and to keep oneself unspotted for the world. And because God doesn't expect anything different from us today than he expected out of Daniel or that he expected out of Adam, we find Daniel here in Babylon doing the same thing that we can do today. And that is to say, I'm going to be different and I'm going to be intentional, and I'm going to give my life, my lifestyle, to Jesus. You know, I hear people say all the time, Brother Bill, I hear them say, I just couldn't help it. 
But that's not the Christian life that we live. Jesus gave us the ability to overcome sin, to not be in bondage to anything at all. When, when you stub your finger with that hammer, you do that on the job, don't you sometimes, Brother Don? You whack yourself up against a piece of metal. We have a choice whether we're going to cuss or not. We, we have a choice, right, whether we're going to pick up that bottle. We have a choice whether we're going to light that cigarette. We have a choice about where we're going to go on vacation. We have a choice about whether we're going to... I was joking with Brother Joe this week about the dog track up there in, in Hitchcock, right? We can go to the track or we cannot. But God wants you to give him an intentional life. Called my little brother about this. And I said, I think these two words are the same. I said, Melzar gave him a name, gave him a culture, and Daniel gave himself in his heart to God that he wouldn't go there. I said, what do you think about that? He says, well, God doesn't need anything. And I said, well, yeah, God doesn't need anything. But every morning, we, Sunday morning, we, we ask people to put their tithes in the offering plate. So it's obviously appropriate that we give God something of our life. Well, why not our lifestyle? Why not be intentional about the service that we would do? Why, why not make a commitment that even though this doesn't look like it's producing any fruit, I will do this. You know, I was talking with uh, Sister Pat this morning. I told her, I said, you don't have any kids this morning, do you? She said, oh, you know, don't have any kids this morning. But the conversation was taking place in her Sunday school room because Sister Pat's made a commitment to be in that Sunday school room on Sunday morning, right? And so let's be intentional about the things that, that we give God. The second thing that I want you to notice, because we, we'll run out of time if we don't move on quickly. It doesn't do any good if you have a two-point sermon and you drag those two points on for two hours, right? Okay? The second thing that we have is God can open the doors for your intentional gift. It says in verse number 9, it says, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. I want you to notice several things about this particular verse. Number one is that God had brought, I think that's important in this particular verse. I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. But I want you to notice the other word in this verse, favor. That means kindliness. It means pity. It means, uh, it means to take a liking to. I want you to notice the third little phrase there, tender love. This comes from a Hebrew word, rakam. It means the compassion. It's the same idea that that we have in the scriptures when Jesus looked on the multitude and he had compassion. It says that God had brought Daniel. As I think about Becky and I coming to 
South Texas. We really like it here, by the way. We're really having a good time and getting to know you. And we even like the weather. We were sitting out on the, on the, I don't know if we're going to like the weather in the middle of summer, Sister Gladys, but we like the weather right now, right? We were sitting out on the back porch. We were watching the lightning in the distance, you know. The sky is so open. We went north here, you know, early in the week last week, and I told her, I said, there's too many trees up here. I said, I can't see the sky, you know, anymore. And God has just really blessed us down here with with the beautiful scenery and, and even even the weather. I guess it's not a blessing when it floods, but I'm pretty happy about it. As I was thinking about God bringing me to unity, I was thinking about how old unity is. Unity 61 years old this year. Before you know it, we'll be planning a 62-year celebration. Now, I'm sure she's had some ups and I'm sure she's had some downs over the years. But most of the time, if you look at the church growth, you know, books and stuff, you know, 61-year-old church is 10 years out of, of being done. God wants us to be intentional about the life that we give it. And God can open the door for your intentional gift. Becky and I made a commitment while we were in seminary to intend from the very beginning of the next church that we went to to spend 20 years. Okay? I don't know whether that's possible or not. But that was the intention. God wants an intentional life from you. He wants you to give that to him. And God can open the doors for your intentional gift. And as I look at the 61 years that unity has spent here, God has done that work in this church. God has even done a work in this church in spite of things. And today, look around us. I brought a young couple up in this congregation or up in this church this week. An outside couple. One that we don't know. I brought them into the building. And I took them all through it. Every last nook and cranny. I showed them our closets. I showed them our bathrooms. I showed them everything. And I asked them a question. I said, as a young couple looking for a church in this community, what's your first impression of our facilities? And they said, we're a young couple. We don't have any kids. And we see a potential to impact here. I was like, cool. Now I'll tell you some of the other things they said tonight. And there are some things they said that concern me. But God has brought unity to 2018. He could have shut the doors at year 50. 
And he could shut the doors at year 62 as far as that goes. But today he has chosen to take a body of believers, ourselves, and unlock the doors. And like Daniel, we need to make an intentional commitment to give God our life and our church. And we have to believe that the church growth books don't matter. We have to believe that the history doesn't matter. We have to believe that we have the resources. We have to believe that no matter what our skill level is, you don't have the most skillful pastor in the world. Let me just tell you that right now. But no matter what our skill level is, no matter how much it looks to the culture outside that this church could not go on into the future, that God can open the doors for our intentional gift. And when we look at Daniel, there is no way that we could see him come into Babylonian captivity and this big, rough, tough eunuch in charge of all of these prisoners of war, for him to have turned tender-hearted favor towards this young group of men, that was impossible. Daniel should have made this request and they should have chopped his head off. And we, as a church, can say that we will make an impact in this community and beyond. And there is no good reason to believe that it's possible. But God can open the doors for our intentional gift. Now, I've said God a lot today. We're in the Old Testament. But we are in the business of being out there for Jesus at his commission. He told us as a church to go into all of the world and preach the gospel. When Paul described that gospel, he described Jesus, God himself, coming to earth. He, he described him taking on the form of man. He described him taking on the sins of the whole world on the cross of Calvary. What sacrifice is that? It was your sins, my sins, that put him on the cross. But he didn't stay in the grave. He rose again. He is living now. He is ever interceding for you and me. And that hopeless world out there and that culture that's out there that is just so nasty right now and so horrible out there. Think about the things that have just even happened in our region in the last couple of weeks. They don't have to be hopeless. Jesus rose from the grave so that they could have life. So that they could have a relationship with God. And if there is any good reason for the doors to be open at unity, it's so that people can come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. Isn't that the relationship that you have? Don't we want our friends to have that? Don't we want our neighbors to have that? And so, folks, we, we've got to commit to give our life to God intentionally and trust God to open the doors 
for that intentional gift. Brother Don, as we have an invitation this morning, that's an individual decision from you and I. We have to each make a commitment that we're going to intentionally give. What do we really want those who will come behind us to remember about our lives and about our church? Do we want it to be like some of the other churches around as we stand this morning? Think about that. The churches that have closed their doors and the communities that are around us, doesn't that break your heart? Were they not intentional about the gift that they gave to God? 